Salams and welcome to another episode of Network Reorient. Today we have with us Dr. Marco Dimichelis talking about the ideas of just war and the seal of prophethood. So, Marco, uh, please introduce yourself and the work that you do. I, I'm Marco De Michelis, and at the moment I'm a, a senior research fellow in Islamic studies and history of the Middle East at the University of Navarra, much more specifically, uh, in specific, at the ICS, that is the Institute of Cultural Studies, is an institute of research on humanities. Um, I reached Spain afterwards, uh, uh, winning a Marie Curie, mm. that is uh, an individual fellowship in 2016, that is, was uh, linked with a specific project of research related with uh, the canonization process within Islam of the concept of the just war. Mm. Not only in working on the holy war as a main concept that will clearly emerge in a following historical phase, but in trying to decrypt uh, the historical passages that uh, in the early Islamic century, in the first two, as in parallel with the canonization of the Holy Quran, uh, are able to shape and to frame a clear understanding on this concept. Before it, I was a research fellow in Islamic studies for four years at the Catholic University of Milan, in which I work on the topic of the Fana Hannar, the annihilation of El within the classical Islamic thought. This is an uncanonical, uh, an unorthodox um, theological assumption that smooth its steps from some Quranic verses, but it will be particularly emphasized mm -hmm. on a Sufi kalam and philosophical understanding in the classical Islamic age from the 9th century uh, until the 12th, in the thought of some of the much more important and prominent Islamic authors uh, from Al-Tirmidhi to Al-Maturidi, uh, reaching uh, Ibn Sina, Al-Ghazali, Ibn Taymiyyah, and Ibn Qawim al-Jawziyyah. Before it, I was a jam professor at the University of Turin in teaching courses about the history of Islamic words. Um, and uh, uh, even before it, uh, I get my PhD at the University of Genoa with a specific project on the politicization of the Mutazilid thought during the uh, 9th century in what has been the golden age of Mutazilism during the caliphate of Al-Mamun, Al-Mutazim and Al-Wadiq. Oh, very, uh, a lot there to unpack. Um, I want to kind of go off course a bit because some of what you said was fascinating, uh, to be honest. I want, to, I want you to talk more about um, the canonization of holy war. You mentioned that it happened alongside or you mentioned that it happened alongside the canonization of the Quran itself, as in, yeah. So I just want you to talk a bit more about that. What did you do? What did you look at? What did you find? Mm, I'm sorry, but I also would like to, to add that this, uh, the usual methodological approach that I adopt in my, in my research activities in writing the article as the monographic work that I made on different topics as on, on the last one, it's usually a comparative one. 
in okay. an Abramitic Islamo-Christian dialogical perspective. Okay. So uh, the first thing that it is related with uh, uh, the canonization process of the meaning of jihad as just were in the early uh, centuries of Islam, it needs to be related with two previous assumptions that have still a deep impact on the contemporary understanding of the Islamic world. The first one, it is clearly that the Islamic conquests are not really Islamic but are Arab conquests. Afterwards, the death of the Prophet Muhammad in 632, we can start to think, we cannot start to think immediately of the existence of an Islamic orthopraxis, a canonization process, a finalized canonization process of the Quran, of the tradition, and so on. So, uh, considering the historical data that we have in relation with the Arab conquest of the Middle East, of Mesopotamia, of Palestine, of Syria, afterwards of Egypt, in the direction on one side of the North African coast and of the Indo valleys in, on the eastern side, we, need, we can assume that were Arab-Arabian conquests, in which part of the most important believers community, paraphrasing Fred Donner uh, methodological mm. approach, were already linked or partially linked with a much more clear monotheistic understanding. At the same time, the second aspect that it is related with that we need time to elaborate the canonization aspect of praxis, of mm. orthopraxis, of religious concept, in specific if we have in this case within Islam a clear assumption that make Islam as the last Abrahamic revelation related with the last nation of the Semitic background mm. that reached a monotheistic vision. So the canonization of the concept of holy war, or better, just war, needed time. And needed at the same time the influence that came from different sources, different cultural milieu, different geographical background. My uh, work is in parallel historical and exegetical in relation with, on one side, the important role that played the Arab Christian Confederation of the Banu Qassan, of the Banu Qalb, in interacting with the early believers community, mm. as in sharing them some aspect that the Christianized Arab Confederation of the North had already interiorized, while on the other side to reconsider the famous uh, verses of war of this word, in the Quran, in which, uh, in which there are important, clear assumptions in relation with the warlike activity. Uh, the outcome, I'm still working on okay. it, to be honest, uh, is that uh, in relation with the, uh, the writing of the first warlike books, in relation with the different Kitab al-Jihad, from Ibn al-Mubarak, passing to Shaibani, uh, for example, uh, or the Maghazi literature, yeah. uh, it is particularly relevant to consider that the Maghazi literature, or the warlike literature, is differently juridically assembled in relation, for example, with the Kitab al-Jihad of Ibn al-Mubarak, that, on the contrary, is the maximum expression of the real first canonization of the just warrior within a 
Islamic background. Ibn al-Mubarak Kitab al-Jihad needs to be distinguished from the other warlike narratives because it better emphasizes the figure that clearly emerged in the Quran, on my point of view, but it reflects of a pious uh, proto-Sufi um, Muslim warrior that decides to pass part of his life in fighting at the borders of a new Dar al-Islam, a new frontier, uh, to be and to assume a real Islamic background. Okay. Do you look into the figure of the Ghazi at all? Because this seems to be very much going towards how Muslims basically imagine the Ghazis to be that we're on the front line, we're fighting in for Darul Islam, etc. etc. So do you look into that? At yeah, all? I, I looked into the Ghazi figure in relation with the fact that uh, we need to wait if on one side, uh, on the literary level, Mm. Ibn al-Mubarak, al-Shaybani uh, and others wrote these texts in the second half of the 8th century. The Ghazi clearly emerged when uh, the Humayyad failed in the last tentative to conquer Constantinople in 715-717 uh, and they needed to start to think about the frontier mm. because the conquering campaigns were ending. Yeah. There were no much a real propulsive force in reaching other borders and much more hot border that they were so that was so close to the capital of Damascus. Uh, it was the Byzantine one. Yeah. And so the construction of also a hermeneutical concept of Dar al-Islam, Dar al-Harb, Dar al-Sul, it is reflecting in this canonization process mm -hmm. that is also related with the Ghazi figure and Ibn al-Mubarak, uh, early important uh, Muslim warrior, a mm -hmm. warrior for the fate. That it is not specular, because there are some differences, on the imagination of the Arab Christian Qassan and Qalb that were federative forces within the Byzantine Empire as a Christian related with saint figure of the Christian tradition of Saint Sergius and were fighting against the enemies of the Zoroastrian dualist religious background hmm. in the 5th and in the 6th century. Okay. Uh, I want to kind of pick up on something you mentioned uh, previously. You mentioned that a lot of the canonization around the holy war and the holy warrior type figure comes out of uh, the belief that Muslims are the final nation, um, the seal of basically monotheism, as it were. So I want to now change to the paper that you came to Brismas for, uh, entitled The Seal of Prophecy, An Inclusive Abrahamic Perspective, Jesus and Muhammad in Dialogue. So I want to kind of ask you about where do you want, where are you going with this paper? What's, explain this paper to Yeah, us. this paper uh, is something on which I'm working uh, since the last couple of years, has been written in a first uh, version uh, reconsidered after some suggestions and changed deeply. Uh, the most important aspect uh, uh, that I try to emphasize is the dialogical continuity that there is between Judaism, Christianity and Islam. And also, even if in the Holy Quran there is only one verse in the entire text that emphasizes Muhammad as the seal of the prophets, 3340, uh, we need to uh, clearly considered that there is a uh, geographical historical perspective. Mm. 
the Arabs are and the Arabs of the Arabian Peninsula, not the Arabs of the north of the Banu Qassam, the Banu Lakma Confederation. Um, the, the Arabs of the Arabian Peninsula were the last Semitic nation to reach a monotheistic milieu and to reach a monotheistic clear comprehension of the divinity. Uh, this aspect emphasized as related with the historical age as Muhammad as the seal of the prophets in continuity with the old tradition as is clearly emphasized in, in the Quran. But also in this case the exegetical work on 3340 mm -hmm. needed a couple of centuries to emerge a much more focus on the Abrahamitic dimension. Because at the beginning, the first, uh, uh, the first uh, works that try to decrypt this strange, this strange verse that is on one side, it is reflect of the fact that Muhammad has not a male inheritance, and afterwards is assumed that for that reason, Muhammad is the seal of the prophets. Uh, it was related with the Arabian Peninsula social background, because in parallel with Muhammad we have some false prophets as Musaidina al-Sajjah mm. and others that uh, uh, during the, the famous Rita Wars were being military or exegetically religiously defeated. And mm. at the beginning the first interpretation of these verses, uh, of this verse, it was related with this historical aspect. We need to wait a couple of centuries to consider that seal of the prophet, it, it, is, it needs to be understood in relation with an Abrahamic perspective, mm -hmm. a Jewish, a Christian and an Islamic one, in relation with the continuity that Islam it is in supporting the first early revelation. In this case, uh, it's important, it's relevant to assume the dialogical dimension between Sahib ibn Maryam and Muhammad as a, a double uh, seals of, of the prophets in both tradition that have assumed a dialogical dimension because Islam emphasized the second coming of Jesus on earth mm. not to change or to annihilate uh, Islamic message or Muhammad prophetic figure but in continuity to promote and to start a shared salvation vision that is particularly important in a critical Muslim Islamic dimension and in working on it in the contemporary. Okay, um, I want to kind of push you on the um, seeing the seal of the prophethood in relation to the Abrahamic perspective and obviously one of the, the subtitle of your paper is Jesus and Muhammad in dialogue. So how do you see this dialogue occurring? What, what is this dialogue? How do you... The dialogue, it reflects uh, on uh, the historical dimension. Uh, the information or the updated information that make Isa ibn Maryam a protagonist as a Rasul, as with Moses in the mm -hmm. Quran, uh, is able to give a relevant feedback on the Christian side as on the Islamic one. Mm -hmm. the, Islamic tradition on Jesus are particularly relevant because they came from canonical and canonical gospel that has been elaborated between the 1st and 5th century and that have been traced and we can see traced in the Islamic narrative. So uh, during my speech I, I reported this, this story uh, that when I was a child my parents gave me a book uh, that it was uh, uh, 
linked with the uncanonical Jesus Young Gospels, in which there was this story about the spider and Jesus, in which uh, Jesus in his village was escaping from chased by mischievous children uh, that were searching him. Uh, and so he, he reached a hollow tree and he entered. After he entered, uh, a spider started to wave his web. Mm. The mischievous children passed in front of it, they saw that the spider was making his job, and they continued to search Jesus, his Ibn Maryam, in other places. That we can find mm. in parallel a real similar story in relation with the Ichra uh, that Muhammad made with Abu Bakr in the direction of Medina and he reached a cave, he was followed by Meccans and the spider was making the same job in preserving their mm. life against the Meccans that were following him. So there is an important uh, Abrahamitic uh, Islamo-Christian uh, traditions that we can find that came from uncanonical sources in reaching other uncanonical or canonical sources at the same time in continuity in a dialogical perspective. This is that needs to be considered something that is not mythological, something that is a narrative discourse mm. that is relevant in sharing, in connecting our reciprocal religious and cultural background. Okay, I want to connect um, two of your projects now, and I think we had a conversation about this earlier. Um, how far, you said your PhD was on the Mutazilla, so I want to ask you, how far did the Mutazilla have a opinion, a voice on the seal of the prophethood? Like, what did they say about it? How did they go about conceptualizing that? I think that there is... Uh, um I'm not aware uh, too much about the seal of the Prophet in a Mutazilite perspective in the classical Islamic age, uh, as I um, saw before as Amakshari in his Tafsir uh, emphasize the Abrahamic perspective of this verse in connecting it with uh, Old Testament narratives. And it was one of the first in emphasize this aspect. Uh, I think that we can share no much more about the Mutazilid perspective on this verse but a new Mutazilid perspective in contemporary. Mm. My first academic article really published on an academic journal on Oriente Moderno, it was about the new Mutazilism during the Nahda historical mm. phase. Um, and I'm considering a critical Muslim dimension I think that uh, uh, assuming an inclusive Abrahamic perspective on topics as this, uh, but also uh, concerning others that we can share between the different religious and revelation, uh, is particularly related with new Mutazrit perspective in the capability to uh, make uh, uh, Abrahamic people able to uh, recognize the reciprocal truth, religious truth, in the daily life. Uh, and the works of many authors during the Nahda, starting um, from uh, Muhammad Abdu and reaching Nasr Amin Abu Zaid mm. uh, 
and others uh, passing through Amin al-Qouli, Muhammad al-Qalafalla uh, and many uh, are helpful in, in making this perspective much more concrete. Okay, thank you very much Marco. Thank you to you for the opportunity. This has been another episode of Network Reorient. Thank you for tuning in. Please have a listen to some of our other episodes and leave a rating.